Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning. It is Friday, October 27th, five minutes after 11. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. I'm sure you were glued to your television last night as the last debate before November's election occurred. It was between Mayor Joe Hogsett and his challenger, Jefferson Shreve. <laughs> Gosh, I, uh, well, so I, I really skipped being lied to on the television for being lied to in person at mm. the uh, Brownsburg Town Hall last night. Right. So I had to go back and kind of watch it. Mm-hmm. Isn't it amazing what a wimp Shreve is? <laughs> I mean, I, I just don't even know how else to say. I mean, Boss Hogsett was bossing him around. Like, mm-hmm. he was telling him mm-hmm. how it was going to be. He was putting him in his place. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Dude, you have all the ammo, Shreve. You've got Debbie Daniels telling your campaign in an email. The the Hogsett's lying. Yes. Mm -hmm. And he let Hogsett just walk all over him again. Yeah, I don't think it was a very likable position, though, for Joe Hogsett. If he was trying to get people to come around to him, that's not the way to do it. That's not what he's trying to do. He's trying to get people to not go to Shreve at this point. He's playing four four corners offense. To keep the ball away from Shreve. Mm-hmm. And Shreve, as he always does, let Hogsett do whatever he wanted to do. And there's no memorable lines. There's no zingers. There's no moment where people go, you know what? He's right. Mm-hmm. He's right. I mean, it is inexcusable that Shreve would have, through Adam Wren from Politico, and then obviously this radio station and, and others covering it, promoting that the lady who did the reports on the riot, now she didn't use the word lie, but she's saying Joe Hogsett lied on Wish TV about his whereabouts during the riots. We have no idea where he was because everybody knows where he was. You could say about anything at this point, as many people have proven, mm-hmm. and Joe Hogsett can't refute it because he, wherever he was, he doesn't want people knowing. Where, where, wherever, that, wherever that was that Joe Hogsett was during the riots, he cannot refute whatever you say because he, wherever it was, he doesn't want people to know. I wonder if Shreve had had a backbone and kind of railed on him and said, now, where were you? You said you were at home. Really? And challenged him on this. The whole debate should be that. Right. How would Hogshead have acted? Would, he, would it would have stumped him or would he have continued on with the narrative? Well, e- either way, you have to make every answer. Into, exactly. You have to make every every response that you give, whether the question's food desert, animal mm-hmm. shelter, mm-hmm. whatever. Every response has to be to Joe Hogshead. Where were you during the riots? Because clearly... It is something highly egregious yeah. based on the fact that Joe Hogsett refuses to provide any evidence whatsoever. And Debbie Daniels said, it's sure ain't in our report because we don't know where he was. I was disappointed in Shreve's answers because he seemed to be struggling to find the stats and numbers that he was trying to quote. And I thought for a businessman, you should be pretty quick with numbers. Yeah, the problem is, though, nobody cares about that stuff. And this is a guy who probably, look, I can see where Shreve is brilliant. Shreve, Shreve's IQ is off the charts. I yeah. mean, don't kid yourself. You, you, we've talked to him, you t- you know, whatever. It, I, I have no doubt that if you, Shreve and I took an IQ test, he would run the, you know, run circles around me. You know, we've said this, though, about Elon Musk, too. Sure. For as brilliant as Elon Musk is, he's not the best communicator. Yeah, and, and politics, as Joe Hawk said, who's a total dumbass has proven, it ain't about your IQ. It's about your ability to connect with people. And Jefferson Shreve is a wimp. Mm. He does not 
he does not he, he not only does he not seek conflict he totally goes out of his way to avoid conflict and he let Joe Hawkson who is, was in a super super vulnerable position last night mm-hmm. just boss him around and walk and and walk all over him the, the it's just so here's what's interesting I had a back and forth today with somebody from his campaign who's very nice and I think very highly of and they totally are living in la la land over what's going on out there. Like, they think Shreve did a good job last night. They think Shreve did a good job on the Monday debate. And it's like, I same thing. It's just, I just throw my hands up and go, oh, okay. Like, if you think, if you think Shreve is holding Hogshead accountable, I mean, I told this person, I said, every correspondence we get from our listeners, even people who are going to begrudgingly vote for Shreve, was he failed. Mm-hmm. And no objective person is looking at the performance of Shreve, given what he had to do, and say... You did a great job because draw, which is probably what these debates are, because you can't distinguish the difference really between these two people on a lot of stuff. A draw doesn't do you anything because you start way behind. And Shreve just doesn't have the intestinal fortitude. And many people are this way. I'm not, look, that's just not who he is as a person. He does not do well with conflict. And to beat Joe Hogsett, it's why Donald Trump won in 2016. Donald Trump sought conflict. And Hillary Clinton was a person you had to seek conflict with. Mm-hmm. You had to do the thing where you put all the Bill Clinton accusers in the in the front row. Right. No other Republican was going to do those things necessary. Same thing here with Hogsett. You had a made-for issue, which is the mayor disappeared during the riots. And now you've got Hogsett. I have talked to multiple IMPD officers, and we told this story at the time on the air. That's how prevalent it was within IMPD. That someone other than Joe Hogsett said let them march mm-hmm. that was the i heard it from two separate police officers who do not know each other who use the exact same terminology that it came from the mayor's office it didn't come from joe hogsett and the phrase how would they know that casey right. unless they both heard it let them march verbatim hogsett lied again last night shreve let him go okay so they talked about a lot of different topics of course they did talk about hogsett's whereabouts they talked about the shortage of impd officers and they also talked about the reinvention of downtown Indianapolis. But Mayor Hogg said he was asked about his one regret during the 2020 riots. And his answer, wow. His one regret? Did you hear it? Listen to this. Uh, That was an incredibly difficult but busy weekend. Do I have one regret over and above any other? It's not walking around the downtown with Russ McQuaid of Fox 59 when he asked me to at 7 o'clock Saturday morning. His one regret (laughs) is not touring the damage with a reporter from Fox 59. (laughs) Not putting an end to it earlier. (laughs) <laughs> not having more police officers out in the circle, not being at headquarters. It was not walking around the day after. And think about this, Casey, and we we get focused on Hawksett lying about where, where he was during the And by the way, if you don't get why we focus on this, there are people on our YouTube chat who don't get it or just move on. It goes to the honesty and integrity or complete lack thereof of Joe Hogsett. Mm-hmm. It goes to the complete lack of inability to lead the city of Joe Hogsett. That's why we talked about this is the issue Shreve should have got on and never got off because there's so many tentacles in places you can take it. Mm-hmm. 
the, you have the you have the mayor lying to you about where he was during the rights. Now, look, if Joe Hogsett has, I I don't know. I know the rumors. I know what's out there. I know people have said they have some sort of proof. I don't know if Joe Hogsett had some sort of issue that prohibited him from being in Indianapolis mm-hmm. or leading the city during that time, or Joe Hogsett was in a state where he could not lead the city during that time, uh-huh. then people have issues and people have problems. But your job as the le- those people should not be leading anything, much less a city of 800 plus thousand people. Admit, and, the, and, and, admit the mistake, apologize yeah. for it, take corrective action. And he is, lo- and not only is he, to Done this day, three and a half years later, clearly that tells me that's someone who has not come to grips if indeed they had those issues with whatever the issues are that you're still covering. Because what we know is, according to Debbie Daniels, he lied. Mm-hmm. Again, not the word she used, but that's what he did. Misrepresented. Yeah, uh, where he was. That's why we keep talking about it. It's not the just the issue itself. It's all the things that spring off of it. The city was burned because there was no one leading. The city was burned because police had it under control and the mayor's office, not the mayor, let them let the let the looters and rioters take downtown. I know I saw it. I saw the prelude to it. Everything was fine when the cops were in charge and the cops were told let the lunatics take control. I thought that was such a pandering answer because that debate was on Fox 59. He says his one regret was not surveying the damage with the Fox 59 reporter when asked. <laughs> I mean, that that was just ridiculous. I don't know if he was trying to be funny or cute with that answer, trying to make the director happy or the, you know, the news director I don't I don't know what that and, answer and, was and, all and, about. And keep in mind because we get so focused on the first night where he disappears, it happened again the next night. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to multiple IMPD officers during the day on that Saturday. And they said, look, we are totally ill-prepared for this. We, we are not doing the things we need to do. I mean, people were marching in the streets all, all, all day long. They knew what was going to happen again the next night. IMPD wanted to take action. Part of this also rests on the governor that he didn't get the National Guard involved to stop this. I mean, Holcomb knew it was coming, too. Well, hell, Holcomb called him a noble cause. Remember Holcomb? And then, of course, had the VIP meet and greet a couple days later with the Malik Mohammed. The whole country knew it was happening. Exactly. Exactly. Everybody knew. But unfortunately, Holcomb is not up for re-election right now. And yeah. Holcomb is not on the debate stage. And Hogsett is. Yep. And, and so Hogsett should answer for this. Okay, so let's get to this final clip of these two. And it's a little bit longer than we would normally play. But I think it, it since it's the last debate... Here, yeah. was, here was their one last shot to close the deal with voters. So they were asked why they think they're qualified to lead the Circle City. You're seeking a third term as mayor amidst a number of challenges that our city faces. Why should voters in Indianapolis put you back in office another four years? Well, Dan, uh, thank you for the question. Thanks to Fox 59 and IBJ for sponsoring tonight's debate. In short, uh, I want the opportunity to finish the job that uh, we began uh, eight years ago. Um, We inherited a $50 million structural budget deficit that we cleared up. We've had seven consecutive budgets uh, that were fully funded and fully balanced. Uh, We've had uh, 700, we've added 700 new police officers to IMPD and seen 16% reductions in murders uh, for the last two years. Uh, $9 billion in projected investment uh, in the the downtown and throughout the city. $1.2 billion long-term infrastructure plan for our city. 
$200 million for parks and greenways. That's a lot of accomplishment and a lot of positive progress. And I'd like to, the opportunity to continue to lead to get the job done. Mr. Shreve, why do you think voters should put you into office as our next mayor instead? Because respectfully, I don't believe that the citizens agree with the mayor that our city has moved in the right direction over the last four or eight years from a public safety standpoint. And public safety is the challenge of the day and has been for the last several years. Uh, we are on track for a fourth year with homicides uh, up, up around the 200 level. We weren't there before. And two-thirds of those homicides go unsolved. Just f eight years ago, the homicide solve rate was over 80%. Uh, we don't have nearly the strength on the IMPD that we have funded and authorized. We don't retain that talent. It's a leadership deficit. The mayor has had 34 years of running for office or serving for office. I've had 34 years in business and some government experience. I'm convinced that it's time for a change, and I aim to bring that change to the citizens of Indianapolis. All right. There you go. It's 18 minutes after 11. Can I, just, can I just point out one thing? Yeah. When we talk about Joe Hogsett lying, Yeah. and this is, you'll only hear this, and you won't, on this show, you won't hear it anywhere else. He's legally obligated to balance his budget. Right. He acts like it's some accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Like when I was a local elected official, you're legally obligated to balance. That's like that always just sticks in my crawl when these. It's an when honestly. They brag about it's that. an honestly balanced. You're required. Mm -hmm. you, you. It's not. You're not the federal government. You can't print money. You are legally required to balance your budget. So I just wanted to put that out there because more lies. And Shreve let him go on that too because Shreve lets him go on everything. Yeah, it's Kendall and Casey on ninety-three WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 20 minutes after 11 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So Joe Biden's approval ratings among his own party has dropped 11 points in one month. That's crazy, isn't it? Well, it's a lot. Let's think about what's gone on in the past it's a month. Lot. Yeah, it is plummeting, and it's amazing that in the past month, within the window of the Hamas attacking Israel, his base is leaving him, and part of this is because of his sheer support for Israel. It's making people like the squad not happy. Yeah, you're, you're right, Casey, 100%. We've talked about this, how he's in such a box here because uh -huh. the base is a bunch of maniacs. And the base hates Israel, and the base is Team Hamas, and Biden has, and rightfully so, appealed to the sensibilities of the majority of Americans, mm -hmm. which is that Israel is our lone reliable ally over there in the Middle East, and we should support them how, how, we, how we can in a fiscally responsible manner, and Hamas should be wiped off the face of the earth. The problem is, though, he's already lost so many people who agree with him on that, right, for various issues, the economy or, you know, immigration or previous foreign policy blunders or whatever, that now you're using losing the hardcore liberal mm -hmm. people who have liked the hardcore liberal economic policies. You've lost them. You've already lost these other people. So who do you have left? Okay, so the the hardcore left, the radicals, they're so wed to the idea that Israel is the oppressor that now they're turning on Biden doing due to his unwavering support of Israel. Um, this actually could be the thing that might stop his reelection. Well, it's going to be interesting because 
while the bass generally is the loudest, mm-hmm. they're not always the most influential. So what I mean by that is there are a lot of these people who are really pissed off at Biden right now over his support of Israel. And these people are complete maniacs in many cases. However, they don't represent a big enough portion of the Democrat Party. They're probably 10. I'm just picking numbers here. I have right. no idea. They don't have the numbers. Right. They've got, let's say it's 10%. They don't percent. have the mass. It's 10%. Mm-hmm. They're showing up to all the rallies. Mm-hmm. They're on the Twitter. But are they the majority of Democrat voters? And they're certainly not the majority of the Democrat money factory. Um, so how much it actually hurts him when it's all compiled together, I don't know. I mean, it obviously hurts him because these people will probably not vote for him. These are sort of people who would, it depends on how much they actually hate Trump, how much they fear Trump. I think a lot of Democrats will ultimately vote for Biden because they just hate Trump so much, which is why we talk about if you had somebody other than Trump, Mm-hmm. These people might actually stay home if it's a DeSantis or whoever that's not nearly as offensive. But if it's Trump, they may just vote out of hate. Point or, is, or they'll vote for RFKJ. But yeah, you're you're right. It, but the point is, he's now at seventy five percent amongst Democrats. Mm-hmm. That's horrible as a sitting president to yeah. be that low inside your own party within his own party. And this, this, it's a divide within the generations because less than half of Gen Z and millennials believe that the U.S. should publicly voice support for Israel. Yeah, the other problem, though, that and this with goes this, back to those kids on the college campuses, what they're being indoctrinated with. Well, and so this is the other thing that the Biden people are going to look at and go, eh, whatever, because um, a lot of these people don't vote. Right. The You're talking about the younger people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, did you hear? This just came out. Uh, Dean Phillips from Minnesota running for president. Yeah, I saw Challenging that. Biden. He's got a bus. <laughs> He said he won't be quiet as the polling numbers are so clearly saying that we're going to be facing an emergency next November. And he's the one who came out a couple of weeks ago and said, we need somebody in the Midwest, like a Midwest governor or somebody to run for president. So what he's like, he was like a, talking about himself. Is he from Minnesota? Is yeah. that right? Yeah. He's a U.S. rep from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, you know, I mean, uh, Good luck. I mean, he's got, like I said, he's got a bus. I saw it, uh, there was a video of it going down the road. Mm-hmm. So, I mean. How's he going to do that without the backing of the Democrat Party? Well, so this becomes the question, right? Because isn't his thing that he's trying to run a more moderate-based campaign? Isn't he Mr. Phony Moderate Man? And he's, so who, well, those people, are the base people aren't going to give him money or time because he's going to probably offer a lot of the same views on things like Israel that Biden does. So, but look, you know, my opinion, Casey, everybody should have competition. Nobody should just get a freebie. So good for this guy making Biden earn it in some shape, form or fashion. Right. And is that, is that it? Does he think he can really win or does he think he, he's going to make th- Biden th- work for Well, it? I think a lot of it is that these guys like, like, what is it? Uh, John Phillips is that his name? Oh no, that Dean. was that was the guy from the Mamas and the Papas. Dean Sorry. Phillips. Uh, Dean Phillips. Um, look at this. These people who run for president. And we've talked about this before. Look at all these no namers who ran on the Republican side. Hey, now you're presidential candidate. Hey, in MSNBC needs a guest. Mm-hmm. Okay, get this guy on there. And they can put up on the uh, super on the bottom candidate. of the screen. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's just free publicity. If he believes his district is safe or he doesn't want to run for election or whatever, and he's got enough money to pull it off and get to where he needs to go, 
you're, it's a, you're basically using other people's money to create name identification for yourself and whatever the next job is. And so there's no, there's no real downside. I don't think you're going to get, what is it, Dean Phillips? Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to get Dean Phillips throwing grenades out there at Biden. I think he's just going to be a guy running and he'll have incremental differences with Biden. And it's just basically a free propaganda machine for himself. Well, this tells you how important this is, this announcement, or how unimportant. I mean, he pretty much announced it on the CBS morning show. Yeah. And it wasn't until seven hours later that I even knew it. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm pretty up to date on breaking news. And it was like, oh, yeah, that happened. I mean, he's not going to win. There's going to be no debates. The primary calendar is rigged in favor of Biden already. So he has no shot. But, you know, whatever. Well, and is anybody in the Democrat Party or the Biden administration going to let him really run. Well, that's the point. You know, Can he even get the signatures to get on these ballots, right, et cetera, et cetera. and block the media and everything else. Hey, did you see really quick before we get into news, uh, Donald Trump Jr. is going to be with Jim Banks. They're participating in a town hall meeting next month. Boy, they are, for a guy who uh, claims he's running against a super liberal Democrat in John Rust, he mm-hmm. sure, is, they sure are afraid of John Rust, aren't they? I mean, they're trying to keep him off the ballot. They're bringing in Donald Trump Jr. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. They, the Republicans will try to tell you, oh, he's not even a Republican. Oh, he doesn't matter. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And yet, the boy, they're, uh, I mean, to be bringing out in, when is it December or November they're going to have this meeting? What does it say? It says next month, and it's going to be a town hall meeting, but they don't say where, they don't say when, there's no details. Look, to be actively campaigning with high-level surrogates in November, Mm -hmm. uh, six months ahead of an election, for a guy who you try to dismiss and you claim is so relevant that you want to keep him off the ballot, I mean, it's... Again, it's just totally deceptive, dishonest behavior from Jim Banks that they're one, they're trying to keep Rust off the ballot is pathetic. But two, to act like he's no big deal. Clearly, you think he is a big deal because you're bringing, which is why they're trying to keep him off the Mm -hmm. ballot. I can assure you of that. They're bringing in Donald Trump Jr. already. And John Rust will find out on November 1st if he'll actually be on the ballot. We'll see what happens. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. 1131. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So talk about weird partners. Who would have guessed these two would be teaming up for something? The ACLU is backing Uh, Donald Trump in his fight against that D.C. judge's gag order. Uh Don't you think that's interesting? I mean... the, in the press release on this, they're fully hedging their bets on all of it. They're kind of like, well, we we think this is an election interference, it's unconstitutional, but um, the, they said that uh, Trump has demonstrated history of using, uh, what, inflammatory language, but what the judge is doing in this case is it's not constitutional it's patently false well look there there are certainly boundaries on speech and obviously those play out in courts of law all the the time about what you can say or what you can post and there are clearly as the supreme court and others have laid out there are guardrails to what you you can say but but by and large uh, you know there is there is a lot of um leeway in many cases Mm -hmm. uh, as related to freedom of speech which is why it's the first but again there are very clearly guardrails um, what you can say about people and what you what you can type about people and et cetera. Um, but uh, free free speech is what's the old saying? Free speech is not there for the speech you uh, 
like. It's for there for the speech you don't like. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, obviously the ACLU feels in this case that the speech they're trying to prevent Trump from having is should be protected under the First Amendment. And Mm -hmm. they're on board with this. Yeah. So Trump, of course, has been using his truth social. He's been launching a lot of different insults and criticisms of the prosecutors and the judges and the witnesses all involved with the case, especially Michael Cohen, where he lost his mind the other day and the judge actually had him up on the stand, charged him $10,000. And what do you think Trump thought? He was probably like, uh, thank you, sir. May I have another? Do you think you ever seen Dumb and Dumber? Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen Dumb and Dumber? Yeah, of course. Remember when they uh, they show up in those tuxedos yeah. and the guy goes something like, gentlemen, these are 500, you know, a plate dinners. And he pulls out like two grand and goes, oh, 500 a put plate. Us, put us down for two. Yeah, yeah in case we yeah. want seconds. Yeah. You think Trump's like that? Oh, 10 grand. Well, go ahead and just let me pay the next one right, right now. Right. Here's another one. Yeah. Um, the ACLU said that Trump retains a First Amendment right to speak and the rest of us retain a right to hear what he has to say. Ah. But Trump also was pretty triggered by what this uh, New York reporter was writing, her coverage of the trial. And I know Hammer and Nigel spent some time on this yesterday. And what did he, he truthed out something about choking a dog or <laughs> just a her, what's her name? Maggie Haberman. Yeah. <laughs> she's she a reporter of some sort. Yeah. Um, so she's just been doing coverage of the whole thing and he, pff, Trump did not like that. And uh, what he said that she was a, a failed New York times writer, <laughs> almost her entire fake story career. Um, so I'm sure another gag order will be in short order for him. Hey, real quick, mm-hmm. you know, cause I feel like we're going to run out of time on this, but uh, have you been following the latest with this Delphi investigation? Yeah. Something else happened. I thought the defense lawyers quit. Well, this is the drama now. There was that whole thing. What was this a week, week ago or so mm-hmm. where supposedly the judge comes out and goes, hey, the the uh, Richard Allen, I think is the guy's name, right? That's accused of murdering the, the mm-hmm. two little girls. Mm-hmm. His defense had offered this just long, long line of accusations and improprieties from law enforcement and all, you know, supposedly there's this cult that did this. I mean, very detailed Mm -hmm. stuff. And we talked about that at length on the show. And then all of a sudden the judge comes out and goes, Hey, this one attorney has resigned. And then this other attorney is about to resign in, in writing. And, um, and now, now this one attorney I believe the one who she said he was about to resign in writing claimed the judge ambushed and coerced the defense team to drop out of the case. Yeah. So now this attorney for Richard Allen asking that judge to to be thrown out. Yeah. Look, look I, lots of twists and turns with this one. My dad is super interested in this. And so he obviously with a law enforcement career knows kind of the ins and outs of this. And he said this just this behavior from all of these people mm-hmm. involved on the law enforcement side, whether it's, you know, obviously like some of the stuff with the prosecution the clearly the the allegations against the the law enforcement itself the sheriff there and now this judge mm-hmm. which the weirdest thing about all this is this is a judge from outside the area this is an outside outside judge uh, right because they fought for that yes and you've got this judge if indeed these allegations are true which again you keep coming back to it's like the allegations that the defense made in that uh Frank's hearing with all this incredible stuff well why would the attorney make this up if the attorney didn't want to go 
I mean, why would he be lying? I mean, it's like all these things you say, they couldn't possibly be lying about all of this stuff, could they? And I would think if you are if you are the defense team in whatever shape, form, or fashion that looks in, you are already set up for a made-for appeal if this mm-hmm. guy is somehow mm-hmm. convicted oh my gosh, to get the yeah. thing thrown out. Absolutely, they'll, they'll be appealing that. Okay, um, also... One other thing, releasing uh, the Beatles, releasing oh, their final no. song. We talked about this months ago. Oh, the song no. is called Now and Then. And do you remember we had a whole conversation about AI uh-huh. and how it's not really John Lennon's voice? Yeah. It really is John Lennon's voice, oh. though. So Look at look at me, Casey. I know. Look, look into my eyes. Nope, nope. You're going to look right here, Casey. Still don't care. I know. A lot of people do, though. A lot of people like the Beatles music. and This is not the Beatles music. But it is the Beatles music. But it's not. But it is. We're all, okay. The last time there was Beatles music was on a rooftop in England in whatever that was, 1969. <laughs> that was the last time there was Beatles music. Oh, and I guess we'll go ahead and count when uh, Phil Spector spliced together whatever was laying on the cutting room floor to make, mm-hmm. a- make uh, Abbey Road. I guess we'll count that, too. So 1970 was the last time there was Beatles music. That crap they did in the mid 90s real love and mm-hmm. free as a bird do you not-, not consider john lennon's imagine to be an extension of the beatles no it's was- john lennon it's solo work <laughs> it's john lennon's communist marxist dream right I okay mean- but here's the fascinating thing about this story is that it it took until now uh-huh. for them to be able to put this song together because they're using AI technology. That's not the Beatles. To strip John's audio away from other tracks. That's not the Beatles. You know what's and the Beatles? And we've never been able to do that Rubber until Soul's now. Rubber the Beatles. Sergeant Pepper is the Beatles. I don't know. Leave it to the Beatles to unscramble an egg. It's called Now and Then, and it's being released. The White Album is the Beatles. Number nine. Susan Beckwith is going to join us next for the Mind Your Manner segment. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey girl, I'm calling all stations, blowing down the wire tonight. I'm singing through these power lines and I'm running Oh yeah, 93 WIBC, right. it is the Kendall and Casey the Show. I'm Rob Casey here members of society and in order to do that we go to our own former miss indiana susan beckwith it's mind your manners susan today we're doing do's and don'ts of hospital visits yes i (laughs) i was telling michael last night i was like this feels like kind of a a heavy topic so i was like i don't know how we're gonna lighten it up to go into the weekend and he said well share some of your funny stories from you know working at the hospital so I do have a very quick story. It has nothing to do with manners, but it's just one of the ones that I've always loved. So I used to oversee the volunteer program, and most of them were older individuals, retirees. I had one of them tell me one time, they were like, I have been volunteering longer than you have been alive. And that was so true. But I had called this volunteer and asked her to, to serve in this one position, and I didn't reach her, so I left a message. She called me back, and I wasn't available, so she left a message, but she forgot her phone number. So I hear her yell at her husband, Dom! 
<laughs> What's our phone number? And he can't remember. And so then she goes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It does feel like there's a lot of rules for in the hospital these days. I mean, I'm not. Ta- I, and I feel like post COVID, there's a lot more rules than there were before. Am I wrong with that? Well, I think there's lots of things that you can do, you know, whether or not they're official rules, just to be kind and considerate. And this does kind of strike close to home because prior to my my sister's passing in August, she had quite a few hospitalizations. So one of the, the best things that you can do right away is just ask for permission to visit. So reach out to them and ask if, you know, that is a good time, if another day would be better. You know, you're not really quite sure sometimes, you know, when they're going to be going for test or, you know, if they haven't had any sleep. So that's just number one, right off the bat, ask for permission before you visit. All right. Ask for permission. I got it. Check mark. And I actually did this, Susan. I recently went to see someone in the hospital and I asked, when would be a good time? And I said, are you sure? And they said, yes. I said, are you positive? They said, yes. So I'm one for one. Let's go. Yes. Okay. Once you're there, keep your visit short. Yeah. You know, it's really not about the length of time that you're staying. You know, they're not timing it or anything. I've heard, like, really honestly, a good rule of thumb is 30 minutes. Oh. Yeah. You just don't want to tire them out, and you don't know who else potentially is coming to visit. So just kind of try to keep those visits short. Now, obviously, it, it kind of depends on the relationship, too. But um, just overall, be you know conscientious of that. Yeah, and I, I see I struggle with this because I feel like I've gone to the hospital. I kind of run out of things to say usually after about 10 or 15 minutes, but then I feel like, am I a bad friend if they think, well, but you didn't even stay hardly at all? No, no. And I honestly can't even imagine a world where you run out of things to say, but no, don't worry about it. Well, what am I supposed to say, Susan? How are you feeling? <laughs> I mean, <come> <laughs> well, they're yeah, in the hospital. Absolutely. How are you? You know, uh, it just seems like you you always have something to say, so that surprises me. uh, Look, I would have a lot to say, Susan. I'm just not sure if it would be appropriate hospital talk, so (laughs) I'm just trying to mind my own manners while I'm at the hospital. I love it. Well, you're doing really well to be be thinking through that. Um, While you're there, you know, if by chance a doctor would come in to, to meet with a patient, depending on the relationship, unless you are kind of an advocate for like a family member, then it would be most appropriate for you to actually exit yeah. the room. Yeah. So like uh, when Casey's husband, when he was in the hospital, see, I did all of these, uh, Susan. I was pretty good. I went, I stayed. I did say, hey, do you have something else you need me to do? He seemed like he was very excited I was there. So I stayed um, for like an hour. But I had asked, I had said at about the 30 minute mark, hey, I'm going to get out of here because I'm sure you got things to do or do you need you need something you guys need to do? No, no, no. We want you to stay. I stayed. There were no doctors that came. But so far, I'm three for three. I'm thir- three for you three, Casey. Well. Right, I'm so Susan. glad. Okay, yeah. we'll just Uh, Moving here, um, you know, make sure to turn off your cell phone because that might be bothersome not only to the person that you are visiting, but potentially to others. So that's just something nice to do. And you're only going to be there for a short time. So I I doubt you'll miss anything too important. Yeah. Okay. So, so far, uh, ask permission for the time. Uh, Keep it 30 minutes or less. Leave when the doctor comes and turn your cell phone off. What's our go home? What's the most important thing? left to remember oh golly well we've covered just a lot of the really good basics but i would say especially because my sister passed from cancer i was really conscientious of trying to make sure that whenever i visited i would wash my hands and 
that way I'm not, I wasn't potentially spreading anything to her. So I think that is um, something very easy that you can do. And so that's part of the do's. But as far as the don't list, absolutely don't visit if you are feeling under the weather. Yes. Um, because you don't want to spread anything. So those are some other really good rules of thumb. It seems like, the- is it, wait, I don't mean to cut you off here, but it seems like we yeah. live in a society where that should be pretty straightforward, but yet I do th- feel like you had to say that. You had to tell people if you're sick, don't go to the hospital to see somebody who is sicker. Well, sometimes people try to gauge like, oh, I think I'm over it or I'm not or I feel bad that I haven't been there and I don't want their feelings to be hurt and they want to err on that side of things. I'm on the opposite. I would rather send a card, potentially send flowers, text message um, rather than there be any chance that I could do anything that would contribute to them being, you know, obviously getting worse. Yeah. No, we got to say it out loud these days because society's filled with morons, not any people who listen to WIBC, though. So, anyway. <laughs> oh, be careful if you take them any sort of food, too, because some people have very strict dietary restrictions. I know my sister did, especially with salt. And so, um, you know, be, be, aware, be aware of that, even balloons, because um, I know it sounds wild, but there are people that have latex allergies. So if you're going to do balloons, I would advise the Mylar ones. All right. Tell us about your very fabulous website, Bell of the Midwest. Well, it's a great place to submit all of your etiquette quandaries that you are just dying to know the answers to, and I love hearing from you, so uh, be sure to do that. And while you're there, check out all the social etiquette topics that we've covered on my blog. But if you're really wanting to see kind of regular content that speaks not only on etiquette, but fashion and entertaining as well, be sure to follow my Facebook page, which is also Bell of the Midwest. Susan Beckwith, you're the best. Thank you. Have a great weekend. All right, let's transition now to something I've been working on for several months, raising money for a great local organization that helps veterans in need. And tonight is a huge night, a culmination of a lot of work. And joining us now on the WIBC Hotline is Emmy Hildebrand. She is with the very fabulous group Helping Veterans and Families here in Indiana. And tonight, it is indeed the Breeders' Crown Charity Challenge finale in partnership with Harrah's Hoosier Park Racing and Casino. You know, Emmy, we've been working on this for months now. Tell us all about it. Tonight is the final night of the Indiana uh, Breeders' Cup Charity Challenge. Uh, so, sorry, Breeders' Crown Charity Challenge. I get that mixed up with the other, you know, racing that happens south of us. Um, it has been a month-long competition where we have been competing against three other nonprofits in a variety of areas. Um, we had a social media competition, which you were hugely helpful with. Um, I raced in a harness race, which was exciting. Um, we had a gala last Sunday night. Um, so we had so many um, HVAF staff and supporters out supporting us. And uh, the last piece of it was your handicapping several races, Rob. So tonight we will find out where we placed, and um, hopefully we will win. Yeah, and again, it's in partnership with Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino. They've been a huge help for this. Before we talk about them, let's talk about helping veterans and families, what this has all been about. I love this organization. I'm so honored to, to help you guys and help raise money for you guys. Tell us about what you do. HEAF is the largest nonprofit in Indiana dedicated to serving veterans facing homelessness. So we're located here in Indianapolis, but we serve veterans throughout central Indiana. Our primary mission um, for the last 30 years has always been housing, um, and we do that in a variety of ways. We have temporary housing for veterans. We can do rental assistance um, and utility assistance in the community. And we're also a landlord uh, for uh, veterans who need, you know, that's 
potentially lifelong support to remain housed. Um, over the years, we've tried to add other services uh, just to remove any barriers to self-sufficiency. So we have a really robust employment services team. And uh, just within the last uh, year or so, we added a dedicated therapist on staff just to remove barriers to treatment for veterans who are struggling with mental health issues, which is about 80% of the veterans we serve. Yeah, again, our guest is Emmy Hildebrand. She's with Helping Veterans and Families. Big night for them tonight. I've been working with them over the past uh, many months now for a big charity event. Uh, again, it's part of Harris Hoosier park uh, racing and casinos uh breeders crown charity challenge i've been wearing my shirt all day today emmy i've been wearing my hat all day today emmy i just love what you guys do and i think helping veterans and families here in indiana just does a lot of great work well, thank you, Rob. And we couldn't do it without friends like you. Um, we rely heavily on our community for support, and that might be financial support. It might be in-kind donations of food and clothing to our pantry so we can redistribute it to veterans. Um, or it might be just volunteering time at HVAF. And if anyone is free, uh, coming up on Friday, November 10th, we're having our annual fundraiser. It's called Operation Alpha. Information is available on our website, hvaf.org. Um, but it's a fun night to celebrate veterans and um, kind of recommit ourselves to the causes ending veteran homelessness here in our community real quick let's talk about uh harris hoosier park racing and casino i know they kind of been the you know kind of the main people you know spearheading all of this putting this big charity event together that we're talking about tonight just talk about what they've meant for for you guys and and how much they've helped raise money for this great organization we're just so honored. Um, they reached out uh, at the end of last year, actually, and, and invited us to be one of the charities to compete. Um, and they have been um, feverishly working, raising money um, so that they could um, then donate it to no the nonprofits tonight. So they've just been a huge partner. Um, your face has been pinned to the top of their Facebook Ooh. page for for many months now, um, talking about the work that we're doing together. Um, and we just couldn't be more grateful to be included in the, at the charities they're honoring. All right. Uh, real quick, the work doesn't end here, though. So we've raised a bunch of money or helped raise a bunch of money. Obviously, Harris has been a big part of this. And you guys are going to get a great check tonight. Whether we lose to that dirt ball JMV or not, I don't know. We'll find out. But I'm just kidding, JMV. We love you uh, and his charity. But the work's going to continue after this. And kind of talk about where this money that you raised tonight is going to go and what the next steps will be uh, as we head into this holiday season. Sure. So um, just a little uh, background. Veterans are much more likely to be homeless than non-veterans, especially women veterans, which are the fastest growing segment of the homeless population. So the need is great here in central Indiana. And as we kind of, you know, enter this um, era that's after COVID and, um, you know, different funding sources are, are stabilizing, what we're realizing is we need our community more than ever to make sure that um, veterans here in Indianapolis aren't living on our streets. So the money um, that we raise tonight will help support um, our, our programs, all of our housing, especially our permanent supportive housing, which um, is, is really the most intensive program we offer. It's for veterans who might need lifelong support to stay housed. Um, our food and clothing pantry are also another huge need. Um, we've all felt um, the, you know, the rising cost of groceries at the Door. Um, and for those living in poverty, it's been even worse. So visits to our pantry have doubled this year um, over last year. So this funding will help make sure that we can provide holiday meals for veterans through the end of the year. 
um, just make sure that, you know, they're receiving high quality of services um, because they obviously deserve it. Yeah. And again, I just want to thank you guys at, at Helping Veterans and Families for allowing me to be a part of this. I love our, our veterans. I love the, the freedoms we have in this country. It's because of them. It's a shame that so many of them aren't taken care of or fall in hard times after their, their service to the country. And I just love all you guys are doing. So again, thanks to Harris. Uh, thanks to Helping Veterans and, and Families. And man, I hope you guys get a big old check tonight and just keep us informed because we want to keep knowing what we can do here on this show to help you guys because it's such a great mission and such a great cause. Well, thank you so much, Rob. It's been really fun to do this with you, um, and I just really appreciate um, you cheering us on. Um, this work can be hard, but knowing that we have people like you in the community that are backing us up, it makes it easier. Emmy Hildebrand of Helping Veterans and Families, thank you and good luck tonight. Thanks, Rob. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks to Casey doing a phenomenal job all week long. Thanks to Kevin as well. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe out there. We'll talk to you Monday. It's Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC.